Welcome to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope you are equipped by this message from Pastor Tom Lively. For more information about our church, please visit foundationchurchfl.com. Thank you, Aaron. Whatever. What was it so that I can fix it next time? Oh, I didn't turn it on. Could have swore I looked down there and saw a green light. Ooh, whenever you want to look stupid. Ask questions like that in public whenever you want to look stupid. That's what you do. It's like if you ever want to know whether your sermon was good or bad, ask my wife. She'll tell you. There's no holds barred. There's nothing. So I never ask. I never ask a daggum thing. Last time I asked, I regretted it. So now I never ask. That's the end of that. We don't discuss my sermons unless she brings it up. So, you know, there's a mannequin in the building that they used for, you know, their t-shirt advertisements. And that daggum thing gets set up everywhere has scared me 50 times. It gets set up in various locations where you walk around the corner. I've, I've been doing the night shift. I've been there with Aaron and he, he and I, occasionally Tommy, sometimes Travis too. Travis does myriads of hours there, but We've been doing kind of the night shift there. I'm there from like 10, 11 o'clock at night till four or five in the morning has been what I've been doing. And that daggum stupid mannequin is set up at various locations. Right now it's heading right into where it was. It's right as you head into the office. It's like standing in a corner. So you don't even see it till you walk. And there's a person standing right there. And you think that I would get it after the first 50 times, but no, I'm still waiting. But anyway, things are going good. For those of you, now this is something that I like to put out there because every single time there's any sort of construction or building or remodeling, this may be boring for some of you, but I got to put it out there. Like I'm standing on this stage right now. I remember when we put this in, stage used to be over here. There's people that got offended like, oh, you know, I came and there was nothing for me to do. Well, there's, you know, there's there's phases and they may have to do things you don't want to do. Like, you know, go out there and you know, put down sod or do stuff outside or whatever it may be. Like right now, what I do is literally haul stuff to the dumpster. That's my job as the pastor of the church. I haul stuff to the dumpster. When I'm there, I'm like working for Aaron. Aaron, where does this go? Oh, that can go in the dump. I just saw Aaron trash or good. And then I haul it out to the dumpster. That's what I do. I'm not offended by it. I've been vacuuming floors. I'm in there with a shop vac, vacuuming floors, whatever it may be. Fixing the holes that Jared Jer puts in the roof, doing things like that, you know. Leak pro. He's leak pro. So he jammed a giant leak in the middle of our roof, which caused, caused Niagara Falls of Northport, Florida to come out, come through. The, loo, the roof right now, we're at a place where there's lots of experts involved. So there's not a whole lot to do. Like it's right now, it's AC, it's painting. But listen, some of you, you need to yield to the experts. Okay, there's, there's people like me. If you say, Tom, paint that wall. It's not good. I mean, it's bad. Nobody, if you've ever noticed, not one soul asked me to paint anything in this church. I never get asked. I'm not a good painter. But we have experts that are doing, that are mowing through it. And all you'd be is in the way. So we don't go, hey, you know what, expert painter? Here, we're going to strap on a whole bunch of church folk onto you and slow you down. Especially because we're trying to get into the building by February 27th. Don't be insulted. The pastor of the church is chief among vacuumers. That's what I've been doing. Hold this, Tom. That's it. 
I mean, I go in there, I basically work for the guy who works for me because he knows what he's talking about and I don't. That's how it is. Carry this board, okay. That's what I do. So don't be insulted. Right now, we're at a place where we're into the roof. The roof is a federal disaster area. I'm surprised the federal government, FEMA, hasn't come down and set up camp, uh, tents around our building because of the federal disaster area that is the roof. It's like I've told people, it's, it's worse than I thought, but it's not as bad as I imagined. It just is what it is. It's always that way when you buy something. That's how it goes. That roof, and there was two AC condensers that Jer and I threw off the roof that they just left up there. They took off the condenser and just left it on the roof. It's loose. Two, three hundred pounds, whatever they were, and we threw them in the dumpster from the roof. But there's holes up in the roof now, a giant new one that Jer put in. But... <laughs> There's spots up there that if you step in the wrong place and it goes right through. Like, I mean, there's, you think that there, there's certain parts of the building that have layers and there's certain parts that don't. And that roof was put on in 1986 when I was in high school. And they haven't changed it. There's ACs up there that are from the 80s that are no longer functional. They've been disconnected, but they're still sitting up there. So we have experts like, you know, Francellas. We had a crane there lifting giant ACs that are the size from here to the wall onto the roof. Francis said, how, Francis said how, how, how many ACs do you want to replace? All of them. I want everything. Because he was like, well, we could cordon off this room. No, I want them all replaced. Let's go. Let's go for it. See, we will take care of it. We might be in a tile store right now. But you look at this building. We don't mess around. It will be surgical. It's the church that I pastor. We, we don't, listen, I go through there. I'm like, I don't even know. I looked up at the lighting. I couldn't conduct a church service with the lighting the way it was. Why? Because the lighting was good? No, the lighting was fine. It was they didn't roll up the wires. They're hanging. They look like my hair after a nap. It's like, I'm like, I can't bear it. I couldn't do a, I could not do a sermon with the electric room looking the way. It would haunt me. I'm like, that mess. Things laying on top of each other. Things that don't work together. Whatever it may be, it drives me nuts. That church will be perfect because it's God's stuff. It's God's business. It will be perfect. I'm not saying it'll be perfect on the 27th. We're going to make it as much of a Taj Mahal as we can for our first Sunday, but we need to get out of here. Look at this place. It's full. It's full. We can't, there's, there's no room up here. I don't know what hope did, but I came out here in the first service. I'm like, oh, everybody's closer. And I feel sorry. I want to back up just a little bit because I don't want to spit on them because man, I sling spit like there's no tomorrow. You go to the podcast microphone, it's like gooey. It's like, it's like cotton candy because I suck on cough drops all the time and I fling out sticky spit. So I feel bad for you guys in the front row, but just consider it to be holy water, holy saliva. Jerry, you and, you and Daryl are in the worst spots you could possibly be in. Thank God I've known, well, I'm thinking of some friends with both of you. COVID update, I will tell you this. You know, they're running. You know, last week I gave you vaccine statistics and all those things. And I'm telling you that that is, the truth is coming out. And I, you know, you don't want to be, a, you know, Debbie Downer all the time. Or for me, Donnie Downer. Okay, I'm just telling you, the thing is, the truth is going to come out. And there's people by the millions 
that will be dead and harmed and infirmed because of it. You need to know that. The reason you can look at every, people think like because we live in Florida, people think the pandemic is over. The pandemic is not the worst in places that are most vaccinated, most masked, and most quarantined. It is absolutely going through the roof because these people do not have an immune system left. The more vaccines you take, the less immune system you have. Why is it that people are being diagnosed at record levels, at decade heterosexuals are being diagnosed at decades high levels for HIV in the UK? Why? Why do you think that would be? You think they've gotten to be more immoral? No, the immorality is exactly the same. But HIV means you don't have an immune system. And suddenly, which was what was happening with the vaccines from day one, which by the way is still in the vaccines. There's a measure of HIV, that's what they use, to adhere to cell walls. It's absolute facts. You can pull this not right-wing conspiracy. And as I said in the first, first service, what right-wing conspiracy has not come true? Name it. From starting back in March of 2020, what right-wing conspiracy has not come to fruition? We said, it was, we said the virus was a man-made virus. It is. One thing, at what, whatever it may be, there's one thing after another you can name it as all come to fruition. We said masks don't do anything. They now don't. We said lockdowns don't do anything. John Hopkins, that bastion of right-wing conservatism, not, has come out and said lockdowns did way more harm than good. One thing after another, it's been one giant, we said that Bill Gates funded the Wuhan Institute of Virology, he did. Fauci funded the Wuhan Institute of Virology, he did. Peter Daszak funded the Wuhan Institute of Virology, he did. Over and over and over again, we've said it. PCR tests don't work, they don't. I'll see how many pop into my head right now. This is one, one right-wing conspiracy theory after another that you get banned off of YouTube for saying that now they can't because it's no longer disinformation. But they're running now. And you need to understand, all of these politicians that are saying, you know what, we're dropping the mask mandates except for the poor kids. Why is that, by the way? Because they hate children. If you, listen, folks, you need to understand something. There is no delineation in the eyes of God between a child in the womb and a child outside the womb, between you right now outside the womb and a child inside the womb. Absolutely no delineation. Jeremiah chapter one, verse five, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. There is no delineation with God, nothing. So if they hate people inside the womb, they hate them outside of the womb. They are always going after kids because they're demonic. Who had to, who had to be burned in the fires of Moloch? It wasn't the adults, it was the children. It's the same thing now. They hate kids. That's why they, they go after kids for various reasons. I've told you this before. The reason why they're trying to vaccinate six months old to five months old, which by the way, Pfizer just pulled back that with the FDA, we've retracted 
their application for that, for that vaccination. People consider that to be a great victory. It's a, it's a victory for now. But in my opinion, all they are doing is prolonging vaccinating children. They're just waiting because you see, when they've already vaccinated all the five to 12 year olds, because they're simply using that to extend their EUA. As long as you're vaccinating kids, you are under the authority of the EUA, your emergency use authorization. That's why they vaccinate kids. Even even when the EUA runs out, as long as you are vaccinating children, you are covered by it, even though it's run out. That's absolute fact. So when they end up vaccinating all the five to 12 year olds, they're just, oh, you know what? Suddenly we've got a vaccine for six to five year olds. So now they buy another couple of years of amassing billions and billions of dollars for the lawsuits that are coming. Because say they make $500 billion and they lose a hundred billion in lawsuits. So what? That's the plan from day one. They're sued, perpetually sued, for billions of dollars, for bribing doctors and killing people and paralyzing people. Absolute fact, they lose the lawsuits all the time, but they've already amassed billions of dollars in profits before that, so if they made five billion, they yielded one. That's how it is, that's absolute fact. But they're running right now, and these politicians are retracting their, their COVID mandates, but notice, they never pull away their emergency orders. They never pull away their emergency powers and they are not pulling back vaccine mandates. There is one Saskatchewan, I believe in Canada has pulled down their vaccine mandate, but has retained their emergency orders. So what does that mean? Just so you know, everybody rejoices when the UK pulls down their COVID mandates. They've pulled them down three times. If you track the news like I do all the time, is UK one time after another, they were retracting everything, they pulled everything down, then put them back up. All, all it takes is for them to actually live in that which they've caused. They're saying, well, right now the numbers are low, so we see no need to mask. Well, the numbers are going to get high again because they've killed everybody's immune system. If you're Israel and you're 90-something percent fully vaccinated, you're overrun. Their hospitals are overrun with the fully vaccinated and boosted. Overrun 90% of their hospitalizations in Israel are fully vaccinated people. Of course, the wave's going to come again. They don't have an immune system left. And now the reports are coming out from the UK. So you need to understand, the UK, Australia, Israel are way more honest than the FDA and CDC. I hate to tell you that, because, I mean, those countries are, are, are COVID-Stalinist states. Way worse off than we are, but their healthcare reporting system is way more honest. When, when you have Australia, which I've played uh, probably five of them here, Australia comes out with their goofy press conferences. They come out and they march out the New South Wales health director or the Victoria health director or the Western Australia health director. They come out and say, you know what? We have 6 million people live in New South Wales. We had 11 people die of COVID. That's how it is, by the way. Every time they have a new conference over that. 11 people died of COVID. You know, 574 died of heart attacks, but that's beside the point. And 574 died of vaccine side effects, but that's beside the point. 11 died of COVID. Nine or 10 out of the 11 are fully vaccinated and boosted. Every time, I'm not, I'm, trust me, I'm just telling you, it's true. You can pull it up. All you gotta do is pull up New South Wales Health Director on YouTube and watch them yourself. Don't believe me. Every single time, it's nine out of 10 that are fully vaccinated. And then what do they say? We need everybody to get out and get vaccinated. All that's happening right now is politicians have a marlin on the hook. 
And if the test line is too strong for the fish, what do you do? Release the spool and let it run. That's all they're doing right now. They're saying, you know what? We're going to ease up so that you vote for us. That's all that it is. You think they've had a heart change? Anybody who can look at a person in utero, stick a needle in their brain, kill them, or deliver them breach alive and harvest their organs while they're living, which Planned Parenthood admitted to under oath, is not going to have a change of heart. And by the way, all of these people need to be put under oath. I want to know. I want to know exactly every congressman and woman who owns stock in Pfizer, how they voted, when they voted, and how they profited from their votes. I want to know, I want blood tests to prove to me that Klaus Schwab is vaccinated. I want to know. I want to know if Joe Biden's vaccinated. I want to know if Donald Trump's vaccinated. I want to know. This is just funny how none of them are dropping dead, but you got, you've got a, a comedian on stage who just drops down and breaks your skull in front of everybody worldwide now swearing off the booster now. You, we have absolutely, I mean, the VAERS report, of course, climbs every day to 23,000. Now, 23,000 Americans dead. That's on the VAERS report, which is only, only showing about 1% of the actual data. According to Harvard, another bastion of right-wing conservatism. Our military, I read you the stats two weeks in a row, absolutely devastated by this vaccine. HIV up 269% in one year. Heart attacks up 300%. Miscarriages up 300%. Neurological disorders up 1,000%. Bell's palsy up 270% in one year. I want to know. I want to know what Lloyd Austin was doing because they said that the only thing that they were injecting our military men and women with was comerity, but comerity has never been produced. So what were they pumping into their arms in violation of the military contracts? And all of those military men and women need to form together a class action lawsuit and put them under oath. Because here's the problem. is outside of Jesus, they're going to need the health care for the rest of their lives because they have no immune system. And they have capillary blood clotting. I hate to, oh, that, that can't be. Well, really? I believe I got this right. Pulmonary embolism, is that a stroke? Is that a blood clot? All right, those are up almost 300% in the military also. Why would that be? These are 18-year-olds with heart attacks. This is absolute fact, and the church should be talking about it. The church should be standing. You know what? It, well, we keep politics off the pulpit. That's not a Bible verse. And here's the thing. You need to be addressing lies. If your adversary is the father of lies, then you need to be addressing the liars that are his puppets and his ministers. You need to address it from the pulpit. Why would you not? Because everybody is a freaking coward. Everybody's a coward. I'm not talking to you, Tom, you yell at me every time. I'm not talking to you, you're here. You're crazy enough to be in this building. You're not who I'm talking about. Believe me. Archer Pulaski's in prison right now. The man who was on this stage, the man who I talked to on the phone 10 days ago, was scheduling him to come in April, still believing he'll be here. He's in prison. 
Why is he in prison? What's his criminal charge? His criminal charge is mischief. And what was the mischief? By the way, what, what is he, three? Mischief. That's, Macaulay Culkin said that in Home Alone 2 at the counter at the Trump Plaza Hotel. Remember? What, I'm always getting into mischief. And now Arthur Pulaski sits in prison because he's sitting, and now he's in there for a while now. They ain't letting him out. What, what, what was the latest charge? He conducted an outdoor church service at the truck rally. That's it. And the, it's just absolutely pathetic to see three or four police cars and 10 cops show up to arrest him unarmed in front of his church again for doing absolutely nothing. And all the Christians in America, quarantine day seven, here we are, we're, 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 we're pasting leaves onto a poster board. It's so good to have the family time. You bunch of spineless cowards who didn't stand in the word of God and call yourselves lovers of people. You are haters of humanity. Look at what has happened. In 23 months of 15 days to flatten the curve. They're running for cover. We are winning, but watch your adversary. Don't believe a word that the liars tell you because they are of their father, the devil, and they want to carry out their father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. If you ever want to know where the devil is, follow the lies and follow the bodies. That's where the devil is. And they will also find the globalist elitist left right there hand in hand with them. They call themselves ministers of righteousness. It's right out of 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 14 and, uh, 14 and 15. For Satan himself transforms himself into an, into an angel of light. It's no wonder. It is no great thing that his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness. And by the way, that's inside the evangelical church too. You call yourself a minister of righteousness when you lock down. Show me that Bible verse. Show me that Bible verse. That you, well, we did it out of love. Show me the Bible. All I'm asking is you show me the Bible verse. Evangelical? Jesus is the word. So if you're a Jesus follower, then it's got to be right here. Show it to me. Show it to me. I just, I'm curious. Show me the lockdown. Show, it to, show, me how, show me how you being a pimper whore for the vaccine is in here. Show me that. I'm just, I'd like to know the Bible verse that you're standing on. Love thy neighbor. Oh, that's your, that's your Bible verse? You can't come up with anything more specific? I certainly can. He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. Matthew chapter 8, verse 17. You have nothing to fear. I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. See, I have Bible verses. You have generalities. That's how it's supposed to go. This is real church. You should be confronted. You should be agitated. You should be at least mildly offended. You should be living on the edge like Archer Pulaski does, like Rodney Howard Brown does. I was just watching Jonathan Shuttlesworth broadcast the other day from back in April or March of 2020. He's talking about having a Woodstock style event for Easter, right in the midst of it. I'm like, yeah, that's before I ever, I'd ever even heard of him. I'm like, yeah. Got crucified in the national media. They showed up at his front door at his house in Pittsburgh. And I'm sure he told them in not too kind of words to cram it where the sun does not shine. 
stick it. I'm not, I'm not interested in your stupid COVID non-biblical rules, whether you're inside the church or outside the church, because it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And you stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. I am not going to walk around for the rest of my life with a face diaper on with a QR coded mark of the beast on my phone. And it's not going to happen. Period. Period. We will never close. We will never back down. I do not care if the sky opens up and starts to rain rattlesnakes and boa constrictors. We are not closing. You're like, man, the roof is getting weighed down by all those rattlesnakes. God is my shield. He is the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I'm fine. That's what you're supposed to do. They, you're under threat of arrest because they don't want you at the trucker convoy. You go there and you preach the gospel. That's what you do. Well, that doesn't sound like the Christianity that I'm aware of. That's because your Christianity is not the Bible. Wait till we get into that this morning because the message hasn't started yet. I'll start it right now. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. We're focusing kind of on, we're still on sanctification and how you will receive correction. Christians are not good. Trust me, I've been in the church since 1987, and I include myself with this. Christians are not great at receiving correction. And even the ones that are good at receiving it don't implement it. A lot of times, even people that attend this church, they just get used to it, but they never implement what's said from the pulpit. Boy, that hurt today, Pastor. Yeah, I know, but you've been telling me that for eight years. You're the same person. You should be getting transformed. See, I'll give you the same example that I gave in the first service. Here's the thing. If you want, I, I, I usually use myself as a comical example or as a bad example. I'll use myself in this context as a good example. If you want symbolically your life to change, the symbolism will use Foundation Church. Where li literally, folks, less than two years ago, we're at 23 months of 15 days to flatten the curve, Two years ago, in March of 2020, there was about 120 people in here. Total for the day, one service. Two, less than two years ago, with between 20 and $40,000 in the bank. That's what we had. Now, if you want that to change, God opens the door as you be still and know that he's God. Not as you run your agenda. People drive me nuts and it gets exposed in, you're like, Tom, can't, why wouldn't God call somebody nicer than you to pastor? Because none of, none of the nice people are available. They're too, they're too busy bootlicking globalists. Here's the thing. They're too busy. They've, they've lined up to, ki to kiss Fauci's rear end. I'm not there for, I'm not here to be a community partner and a good neighbor. I forgot what I was talking about. Oh yeah, two years ago, thank you. Whoever that was, God bless you. So if you want to change, see what I did, Rodney Howard Brown was here on Friday. We toured the church, went out to lunch. Me, him, and uh, Norma and Aaron went out to lunch. You can ask anybody there, including Pastor Rodney himself, how much advice do I give him? I'll, I'll add it all up for you. Let me see. 0. 0.0000, the same affect as the, as the vaccine. Nothing. 
Because I'm not there to run my agenda. When you have a building program, people come in with their agendas and their resumes. Keep your mouth shut. Offer yourself up as a living sacrifice. What, that's what I do. I could go in there and say, you know what? I'm painting. I'm, I'm going to build the stage. Where I, want, I want a drill gun. I, I want to be like Brian Pardee. I want to be like Bill Fancock. I want to be a contractor too. I'm the pastor, but you don't know what you're talking about. Well, it doesn't matter. I have an agenda. I want, I want to be nothing. You, no, you just go, you know, how can I be used? Keep your mouth shut. You know what? We need you to go out and lay sod. What do you call the wood chips? Mulch. We need you to lay mulch. Go mulch. No, I don't want to mulch. 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 I didn't want to carry a 250-pound condenser off the roof either. That wasn't any fun. Especially when you have to skip every other step carrying that thing. Me and Jer. They had to take breaks. We're not weak men. We both can lift lots of weights. Not easy, not fun. Not really a pastoral thing. I wasn't up there praying for people. But if you want that sort of change from 130 or 140 people with 30,000 in the bank to 700 people and one point something million in the bank in less than two years, you're gonna have to do what I did. What did I do? I keep my freaking mouth shut and I sit under a man's ministry. Which by the way, if you haven't noticed, I'm not exactly a conformist. Rodney Howard Brown offered his pastoral authority. I jumped in the river, literally and figuratively. And I said, yes, I'm in. I don't go to a man who has a $100 million ministry and say, hey, listen, I accumulated on my own. Before you, I accumulated 30 grand. Now, let me tell you, do you know you really shouldn't say that from the pulpit? I say nothing. I sit under his ministry. I let him minister to me. I keep my mouth shut. Here, you know, we need to talk about your ministries. Of how, well, what do you want? What, what, what do you need to do, Pastor? What do you want? We need to have a meeting. You got it. Um, I need you to do this. You got it. I told you this before. I told you the first service or both services, and I've told it before those services last week. When I was on, his pl on the plane and I was talking to him on our flight back from Dallas and I was running my mouth to his pastors just talking about, yeah, you know, you know, I just, you know, I'm just a pastor of 150 member church. I'm, you know, I've got nothing, you know, going on. He brings, pushes, brings me aside and says, I never want to hear you say that again. Amen. How does he benefit from that? Nothing. So you know how many times I've said that since? Same affect as the virus, I mean, as the vaccine. Zero. Zero points. I'd never say it. If I, if I tell Aaron something, that's what I love about dealing with Aaron. He's not perfect, either am I. But when I tell Aaron, never do that again. He never does it again. Never hear it talked about again. Nothing. That's how you change. You turn the tide. Now, quickly, make the decision and go. That's what you do. With this building, I kept my mouth shut for the first time in my ministry's history, and I got handed a $5 million building. I kept my mouth shut. You're like, wasn't it your, wasn't it your wisdom? Was, no! 
If anything, I screwed it up. I kept my mouth shut. And what I mean by that, there was lots of ups and downs, folks. Lots of ups and downs. We've been dealing with the building since when? March of 2021. Ups and, they wouldn't even call us back. Emails, nothing. Callbacks, nothing. We'd have, we, every single thing that was done, we, they would ask this to be done. We'd get it done that day and we wouldn't hear from them for three weeks. We need this information. Well, here it is, that day. And we wouldn't hear anything for three weeks. Are they selling it or are they not? We had no idea. And, the, and I would get calls from Hope all the time. Well, this is what's happening. And I'd be out walking and I felt this strong inclination to go, well, that's it. It's over. And that's how I was. You, th you think I'm bashing you, right? You think I'm hard on you. No, this is just as much for me as it is for you. It, you might be passive, which is, by the way, disgusting, but I'm, I'm pouty. They, that, put both those words together, it's pee pee. So what I did was I kept my giant pie chute shut. That's how we got the building. And it was hard. I'd be out there walking because I do a lot of walking. Hope would call me with updates and I just wanted to rail on it. That's it. It's over now. I give up. I don't care anymore. I'm done. That's what I've done my entire ministry. And it landed me 15 years in with no people and no money. And when you change and you receive correction, chiefly by the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is going, right now, I'm just testing you. I want to see what you're going to do. I just want to see what you're going to do. Things are going bad. You usually give up. Like you quit the church 500 times and came back. I want to see what you're going to do. And every time you do that, you revert. You, do, you don't grow. You don't, this is still about sanctification. You are not being made useful every time you run your mouth. I'm nothing, I'm nobody. I don't know how I'm gonna do it. Life is terrible. Whatever it is, you're just going backwards. So the, the, my big move was to do nothing. It's like Jerry Seinfeld, the show about nothing. I did nothing. <laughs> nothing. Like Costanza said when he was pitching it to NBC, everybody else is doing something, we're doing Nothing. You're like, how do you have so much of Seinfeld memorized? I don't know. I'm pathetic. It just is what it is. We're doing nothing. That's what God called me to do for the building. You don't do anything. Let your wife handle it. Let Buck Settles handle it. You shut up. Oh, that's my job. And that's what I do now at the building. I'm still shutting up. Aaron says, you know what? We need that speaker thrown in the dumpster. Okay. Why aren't I part of the decision-making team? Because you don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to go to Jesse and Bobby and Aaron and say, well, you know, I think the fiber optic line ought to run through that part of the ceiling. You know what I did with the fiber optic line? I was up in the roof with Aaron and Travis till four o'clock in the morning laying pipes. Getting fiberglass up my nose. That's what I was doing. You need everybody. Now, I'll try to preach the message. We've only got a little while left to go here. You need to learn to receive correction. 
Let's start with this, and this will be in a way that you probably didn't see it come if you were in the first service. I told you this is right where we're, I only got a couple minutes of this. We're going to camp here for a couple minutes. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. What was Paul's thorn in the flesh? Don't spout out the art church version. Don't spout out the Calvinist version. Because him having an eye problem or a physical infirmity is not in here. It's not in here. So what was it? And you're like, what does this have to do with being corrected? Well, you'll see. Verse 7, 2 Corinthians 12, 7. And then going to 12. Or going to 10, actually. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. Paul talking about himself not being exalted above where people were actually at the level of almost worshiping him. A thorn in the flesh was given to me. A messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect, or my strength, depending on which version you're reading. For my strength is made perfect in? What was his thorn? You're getting it. I don't see anything about an infirmity, do you? Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities. Mm, there it is, sickness, right? Because that's what we call a military hospital, an infirmary. Right? Hmm, that's, it must be then. It's sickness. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. It must be. No, no. Here's the problem. What was this written in? There you go. What was it written in? There's two versions that are legit. Greek and Hebrew. So what does the Greek word mean? The Greek word for infirmity is asthenia. Asthenia. A-S-T-H-E-N-E-I-A. And that word means weakness. Not sickness, weakness. So you have an entire body of Christ believing Paul was walking around putting an eye salve on his diseased eye. Why? Because it gives him an excuse never to heal a soul. That's why. See, Paul, the greatest preacher in the New Testament outside of Jesus himself, could not heal himself. Even though he said my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power, 1 Corinthians 2, 4. But here, he cannot heal himself. It's a bold-faced lie. His weakness was caused because he was bothered in his own carnality. And if you link this up with 1 Corinthians chapter 7, the things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things that I want to do, those things I don't do, and things that I don't do, those are the things I want to do, that old thing, I call it the I do's. I won't even try to memorize that verse. It's because what's happening is, is every single, if you read the chapters before and the chapters after, he's constantly being backdoored by other Christians who were coming in. It would be like if I conducted this sermon series right now and afterwards a Catholic priest came in and said, no, no, it's great that you guys are free in Jesus, but where do you stand with Mary? Have you gone to communion, first communion? Have you been to catechism? Have you gone to CCD? That's what was happening after him. And it was bothering him greatly, and it was causing him to be weak. And he said, what he was basically saying to the Lord was, I don't want to deal with people anymore. And he was being constantly made fun of because he was not a great orator. Funny how God chooses people who are great in their weakness. Moses couldn't speak either. 
So Paul was not a great orator, and he was little. He was a stubby little guy. So they were making fun of him behind his back and backdooring his messages about circumcision. Telling everybody you need, it's great that you're free in Jesus, and we're free in Jesus too. We're just telling you you have to be circumcised. Make that line up with the Bible. They didn't have the Bible back then. They just had a bunch of people not led by the Spirit of God who had a religious spirit backdooring Paul, and that was his weakness. That's it. So what, where does this all come from? This relates back to Numbers 33, 55. And this is where we'll talk about correction. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land, this was, Paul did not have this option. He couldn't drive out the inhabitants of the land, except he could, he could do it figuratively, which was causing it. He wasn't doing it. That's why he was weak. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall be that those you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your sides. People were the thorn in Paul's side. People are the thorns right here too. Do you see it? This Bible's perfect, folks. It lines up. If you do not drive out the things that are causing you to fail, they will be thorns in your sides and, and irritants in your eyes. You know, Matthew chapter 6, verse 23, talks about your eyes. And if the therefore, if the darkness that is the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? It talks about, it's talking about what it is that you see. How do you see things? Not necessarily people are always like, uh, you know, it's what you let in and what you're watching. No, no, it's how you see is what that verse is talking about. It's the same thing here. How do you see? Is it coming from you or is it coming from the Holy Spirit? Is it coming from other people or is it coming from the Holy Spirit? Whatever is not coming from the Word or from the Spirit needs to be driven out or it will be a thorn in your side. Just like Paul. An irritant in your eyes and how you see things. Amen. That's how it is. How does one become sanctified? Talked about it last week. I'm glad you guys can quote me. Love you, whoever that was over there. Minute by minute decisions. That's how you become sanctified. And it starts right now. Some of you are about to get very offended. You're about to get very offended. If I tell you, are you a passive person? You're not Christ-like. You're a coward. Your wife's the one who disciplines the kids and deals with all the problems in your house, husband. You're a gelding. Does that bother you? It should. I did that for affect. I've done gelding things in my life. What will you do now? You're passive. You think it's an attribute. I'm a passive person, you know. That's Christ-like. Do you ever read the Bible? you believe Jesus was passive? I never saw one passive thing. Did he ever let one thing slide? No. Why do you? Your children smart off to your wife. You say nothing. Well, I'm the mature one. No, you're a coward. Stand up. Be a man. That's the main problem in Christianity is there's no men. Some women run in the houses. Because they have to. Some of them are, are power pervs. 
But most women run their house longing for their husband to step up and do it. Step up and do it. Why is it your wife this fervent worshiper and you stand like this? You look like you're in the midst of a proctological exam while we're singing about Jesus. Whoop, whoa, whoop. Lead to loosen up. We gotta loosen up to get that thing in there. It's your wife's worshiping. And your kids, whose eyes are they on? They're gazing upon you. Read the Bible. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Why are you not doing it? Ephesians chapter six, verse four. Why are you not doing it? Why is your wife the spiritual thrust of your home? Why? Told you you're about to get offended, right? Why? Explain it to me. Explain to me why it is. I got the definition of passive written here somewhere. Where is it? From the first message, from the first. Ah, here it is, perfect. Definition of passive. Not reacting visibly to something that might be expected to produce manifestations of emotion or feeling. So you stand there and worship like an automaton. Motionless. Not participating readily or actively, inactive. Not involving physical reaction or active participation. Inert. You want your wife to hate you, be passive. Ask her. Go ahead, look at me, look at me. Husbands, go ask your wives today. Am I too passive? Seriously, you have that guts to do it or did you get clipped? That's not my struggle. I told you a minute ago, I pout. How can I be any more transparent? That's not a very positive attribute to have my, my wife throughout we've been married since we've been in our 20s and she's had to resuscitate me 5,000 times because I'm... I don't know which one's worse, passivity or pouting. I don't know. He's beating up on me. Every time I come into the church, I'm not coming. This is exactly where you need to be. You don't need to be at a place that's telling you you're okay when you're not. In whatever area of life it may be. (laughs) Sanctification is not an option. Sanctification is a beginning of sorrows, emergency for the church to become alive and active and powerful. The greatest threat that the world has ever seen should be the evangelical sanctified church. Sanctified means made useful, made a conduit of power. It's not an option. If you're passive, stop it now. Just like I, if I want something, everything changed when I stopped pouting. I didn't even say anything. I didn't even pray anything. Stop pouting. Amen. I told you. I'll talk about me. It's clear. Listen, I, I have not arrived I've just left the dock. Credit Andrew Womack. What makes you deceived? Let's look, because this, this will shock many people. What makes you deceived? James chapter one, verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. 
Now, for the word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Preach the word instantly. Now, do not merely listen to the world. You merely listen to it. You come into this church or any other church, although this church is vastly superior than to most churches. It is. Why? Not because of me. It's because we just read Bible verses. That makes us superior. I don't care. Well, you shouldn't be calling yourself superior. I just did. Look at me. Online right now with all the hundreds that are watching, I just called myself superior. I don't care that you think you're superior because you don't call yourself superior. Simply reading Bible verses makes you the greatest church on the planet because nobody else is doing it. Because if you read Bible verses, people leave. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the day. There's no passivity in Christ. Proverbs 23, 17, 18. Right there. Read them when you get home. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Or you shift into 2 Timothy 3, 7. Always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Which is a sign of the end times falling away. That's why all the church is closed. They don't even have an inclination to follow the word. They don't even know about the QR coded mark of the beast. It's no problem for them. One of the largest ch churches in Australia. Their pastor. God's not allowing me to speak names right now. But he came out and said, it's a Christian's duty to obey the laws of the land, to make sure that you're getting vaccinated, you're being cooperative. You obey the laws of the land with speeding and robbery and murder and not punching your wife's teeth in, all those things. Yeah, I've been on all those police calls. You don't obey the laws of the land from tyrants. Otherwise, why are you sending all the money to go buy Bibles in Saudi Arabia? You're violating your own version of Romans 13. Again, it's just so you could be a coward and close your church. No pastors lost their jobs. No pastors got a cut in pay. All they did was open up food pantries to feed the very hunger they caused. I said this in the first service. I got to use it again. My wife's going to kill me. But I'll say, tell you this. Opening a food pantry... To feed the people that you cause to be hungry, is you, it's just like coming up and kicking me in the crotch and giving me a bag of ice. How about just not kicking me in the crotch? How about we just have that, how about we just have that cooperation? I'd rather just not have the bag of ice. It's truth. Some of the most unsanctified Christians on the planet. I started, with, I started with this last week. I can't remember which service. Some of the most unsanctified Christians, some of the most immature Christians are the ones who think they're the most, satis, uh, most sanctified and most mature. They think they know everything. Listen, I would venture to say that in this room, I would be in the upper echelon of biblical knowledge. However... I don't know squat. Thank you, Pastor Tim. <laughs> Another pastoral authority in my life. <laughs> I don't know anything. See, I know that. So when somebody comes up to me and gives me biblical knowledge, well, listen, listen to Jonathan Shuttlesworth will change your life. Seriously. Listen to the man. 
You're like, oh, he's only 40. I'm 67. He knows more than you do. Okay, sorry. I'm 53. He knows more than I do. He absolutely obliterates me in biblical knowledge. I'm fine with it. He's changed my life listening to him. Same with Pastor Rodney. Changed my life listening to them. It's just Bible, Bible, Bible. And when you're done with the Bible, how about some more Bible? Mixed with power of the Holy Ghost. Listen to them. Stop being so afraid to be teachable. I am. You know what I do when I'm, when I'm, with, Rod, with, when I'm with Pastor Rodney and now he's Pastor John. They used to be just evangelists. Jonathan, now he's pastor in church in Pittsburgh. I keep my mouth shut. If they ask me something, I share. Otherwise, nothing. My wife, my daughter, you need to loosen up. Well, eh, not, not ready to loosen up. I just sit there, and then sometimes we're, we're laughing and joking and have a good time, things like that, but I keep my mouth shut. I'm teachable. Here's something I want to share with you about how to do your ministry. Thank you, Pastor Rodney. I appreciate it. Thank you. I'm, a, I'm ready. But a lot of people, they know the moment, and I'm challenging each and every one of you. Let me change to a, to a finger. A lot of us know the very moment we stopped following God's ordered steps. You know when it was. Steps are ordered like I said last week, but are you following orders? You know the very moment you stopped. Don't you? Because something got in there. A John 6, 53 through 67 moment. This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Drink your blood and eat your flesh. That's repulsive. Who cares? If Jesus said it, and he said, you will have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And he goes and lops off his forearm down. I'm like, ah. It's, what Je it's Jesus is the son of God. I wouldn't be sitting there. Oh, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more over that. Will that be you when you receive correction? The Christian agenda pushers. There's many people who come into this church and they think they're going to be the one. If I ask enough times, they'll give in. If I'm stubborn enough, they'll give in. If I keep pushing my resume, they'll give in. All you're doing is torpedoing your own ship. All I'm looking for you to do is attend and be available. That's it. God will do everything else. He'll do it on his own. Ask the people that are in here that are currently serving in the ministry. I went after Heather. She didn't come after me. I went after Aaron. He didn't come after me. I even went after my wife. She certainly didn't come after me. I'm telling you, stop the agenda. Oh, you know, here's my this is the things that I've done. Okay. I'm sitting there the whole time going, you're blowing it. All you're doing is postponing your destiny. Because you're doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. You are insane. I don't care about that. Pastors care about one thing. Everybody thinks pastors care about money. They care about one thing, attendance. Master that first. I have people that come in. I want to teach a Bible study and do all. Yeah, okay. I'll see you in two years. 
No, they just leave the church and they go to the desperate church. And then they do a Bible study with four people for the rest of their life. It's true. You ain't notice that's a pastor's pastor churches for 50 years. Right there. 50 years of ministry, he knows. They all come in, it's the same thing. And all I'm trying to get you to do, whatever it is in your life, whether it's that, that's an apropos example or not, you can be anything, is stop now. Stop whatever it is, stop now. Most of us know the moment that we said no more, I'm not gonna follow my ordered steps because it's too inconvenient. They may not remember it now because they brainwashed themselves. But if they were given a moment of clarity by the Holy Spirit, they would know there was that moment. You know what God said? Because you can't go his order steps by side, by, by walking around the path. You have to go through the path. You have to walk on every single stone. Like that. And you try to skip one, it's done. James chapter four, verse eight. Now again, I want you to notice, here's a popular verse, and I want you to see what it's surrounded by that nobody ever tells you. I'm like the original Fox News, when Fox News was good. Fair time, equal time. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Well, Tom, you got that one memorized. Yeah, I got that memorized. I didn't memorize the next one. wonder why that was. I will now. Lament and mourn and weep. That's not very encouraging. Yes, it is. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 16. This is inspirational. This is, if this is where you're at, if this is the season that you are in, take the step onto the stone. Because some of you think of yourself way too highly. You need to spend time lamenting and mourning and weeping. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. No, don't pimp and whore your daggum resume anymore. Humble yourself. Shut up and let God open the door. That's what I did. Told you if you want this, then you've got to go the way that I'm telling you to go. And it wasn't comfortable. I'm not comfortable being pastored. I'm not very governable. I'm combative, argumentative, non-compliant. I got in trouble at the sheriff's office. I wasn't just one of these COVID cops. You know, go arrest that mother at the playground for playing alone with her kids, unmasked. Oh, yes, sir, you're coming out. No. I got in trouble with the sheriff's office for that stuff. I remember in Inglewood, there was this woman and her daughter. And they were, I don't know if you, what you call them, but there's cop groupies, women that love cops, I guess. I don't know why, they're all fat anyway. But anyway, so here's the thing. Every night they would call and say there was a stalker outside their door. And every time I was the night shift deputy in charge of their area, they never called. <laughs> Suddenly, I, was the, I solved the problem. There was no more stalker. But then when I would go off, the stalker would show up again. Because I would, if they called, they dared, they called me once. And I was like, there ain't nobody here. Don't call. 
because I know you're a bunch of freaking crazies. But all the other cops, because the daughter was hot, so all the cops, oh yeah, we're here to save the day. I don't care whether she's hot or not, I've got business at Subway, and I've gotta go get dinner. And you're calling me. I've got two foot long turkey bacon subs waiting for me, and you're messing me, you're messing up my schedule with this? No. So all the cops, they call in the helicopter. Here come the dogs. So they ended up, they had to move from one location to another. Guess who came with them? The stalker. And lo and behold, they were in the same area. I was the deputy. and Nope, they would never call when I was there. They would call up, who's the deputy running? Who's the deputy that's in charge of Zone 11 tonight? Oh, that's Deputy Lipley. Oh, okay, that was it. They would never call. So one night we had overlapping shifts, so some of the more amiable deputies were out along with me. So we ended up going to the stalker call again. Now I'm talking about there's a hundred of these calls. I'm not kidding you, or maybe hundreds. So we go, and me and a deputy get into a verbal, you know, we get dispatched to verbal altercations. Me and another deputy are in a verbal altercation screaming match in their front yard. Because you know what? I don't care. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and lie to them, lie to myself, lie on a police report. Nah. They're crazy people. There's no evidence of anything. We are not showing up. He's like, you need to call. Because I was in charge of the call. You need to, because this is another deputy. What is a supervisor? You need to call a helicopter. You need to get canines down here. I went, no. Are you crazy, man? They got the, I said, no. And lo and behold, it all came out that they were bold-faced liars. But my thing is, I do not comply. Sometimes I'm wrong. I've been wrong. But my leanings are, I am not going to comply. But then God puts me under Rodney Howard Brown. I comply. I'm not a sycophant. But when the Holy Spirit is telling you, here's your pastor. There he is. Then you listen. And I don't always want to listen. Not everything is my style. But let's compare ministry, shall we? I was watching in between services. He's got 3,000 people there. building. Now he's building balconies because there's no room for everybody. You know what their offering was last week? They're offering for the week $2.2 million. For the week. For the week. And their church isn't even big enough to do that. They have a large church. It's not big enough for that offering. It's supernatural. I want in on that. So what do I need to do? I said this from the stage. He brought me up to talk about our building. What was it, two weeks ago, something like that? The last night of the conference. He brought me up when I was talking about our building. And I said, what I did was somebody who was reaching hundreds, I want to be with somebody who's reaching millions. But you have to comply. Some of you come in, well, I used to go to a big church and I want to tell you about how we did things and I want to, you know, shut up. Shut up. Just shut up and say to Hope or Heather, don't even talk to me, but go to them and say, you know what? Just want to let you guys know, 
you know, I'm a painter. Anything you need. Here's my card. That's what you do. That's what you do. Simple as that. Or whatever it may be. If you're talking about ministry and conducting ministry and this is your second week at Foundation Church, you're not doing a Bible study here. It'll be a while. Till I know you, till Heather knows you, till Hope knows you, till Aaron knows you, till some of the men in this church that I trust know you and I know you're not a crackpot, then maybe you can do it. I had a guy come up to me a couple months ago. He wanted to teach out of the book of Revelation. And he says, I know, he even gave me the line. I know that I won't be able to do it right away. But, you know, I said, well, that's true. And he's gone. But some of us, in various areas, I'm not talking about your entire life. Be, listen, if you're somebody who tithes and you're prospering, this has nothing to do with you financially. But maybe in an area of your life, it's time to lament and mourn. Right? Maybe, would that, would that be wrong? How are your kids doing? Tom, you bring this up all the time. It's easy preaching. How are your kids doing uh, spiritually? I don't care whether they're in their 40s or whether they're three. How are they doing spiritually? And don't lie to yourself. Look at them while you're worshiping. Do what I do. I used to do it all the time. The church was smaller and we were all over here. I'd just stare at my kids while they're worshiping. Tom, you should be concentrating on the Lord. Just, just be quiet. Just, just don't worry about how I parent. I just watch my kids, see how they worship. Just for a minute or two, I want to see. And they, I'd be, I'd tell them, I don't really care for how you worship. It's like I tell you guys. So you guys worship beautifully today. I said nothing. I looked around, everybody's worshiping. But if you guys stunk it up like we did like three weeks ago, it's like a skunk walked through this room. For some reason, we drifted into the melancholy. This is not a melancholy passive church. You will shout your praise and you will shout your worship. You can hide if you want, I won't notice. But the whole, if the whole congregation's like that, you're going to be confronted. I shut worship down. I took over. I was, I was like the Visigoths raiding the Roman Empire coming up the stage. And I said, I don't know. This is how I started. This is in worship. I don't know what's going on here. But we, there's a melancholy spirit happening in the 1115, and it's not allowed. In Jesus' name. That's what you do. Sometimes it's not meant to, sometimes everything's not awesome. Spectacular, fantastic, awesome, like an art church commercial. Hey guys, everything's awesome here at Hyper Grace Church International. You're all welcome. It's all awesome, fantastic. You're great, we're great, I'm great, love you. Sometimes it's not that way. It's not. If your kids are unsaved, you need to stop telling yourself that you're the parent of the year and it's time for you to lament and mourn. Be broken before the Lord so that he can give you advice instead of you knowing everything. You need to be, again, I, just, I told you I was gonna use myself as an example. If you're 15 years in and you have the exact same amount of people that you had five years in, you're wrong. You're wrong. Lament and mourn and stop saying, praise you God. Lament and mourn. 
Get before the Lord and say, you know what? I humble myself in your sight. Please lift me up. I told Pastor Adonica on the flight up to Pittsburgh to see Jonathan. I said to her, I don't even know if I'd be in ministry anymore. Honestly, I don't. If it wasn't for the changes that have been made, I don't know if I'd do it anymore. I think I would have just drifted off into my own world. Tired of it. But now, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. And I owe it. You may consider this to be an unholy statement, but I owe it to Rodney Howard Brown and Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I don't care what anybody says. Yes, they are gods, and they are God's vessels. But it wasn't for their influence in my life. I don't know if I'd be doing this anymore. And you have to change. Never even heard of Jonathan from two years ago. It's changed my life. I, I told Pastor Rodney this. On the stage, two weeks ago, at the river. talking in front of 2,000 people. I said, I didn't even like the river church. Right in front of all these people. I don't, there's no hold barred. Ever. I never hold back. Drives my wife nuts. She didn't speak to me. Don't let me forget on the stage, Rodney Howard Brown, two weeks ago. She didn't speak to me the first time I said pimps and whores on Christian television. (laughs) (laughs) On the Christian television network. (laughs) I dropped a couple, I dropped a couple pimps and whores on there on CTN. And she, hoping I never don't talk. And we got in the car on the way home. I was like, yeah, man, whatever, whatever. You know, something making, dropping some stupid joke. And she wasn't, she was silent. She's never silent. None of us are in our house. Everybody runs it hard at our house, okay? I'm like, oops, I ticked her off. It must be the whore. It must be the whore comment. I can't believe you said that on Christian television. I'm like, hey, I am what I am. I don't say the F word. I don't say the A word. I don't say the S word. I don't say the D. I don't say any cuss words. But if you're a whore, you're a whore. You're a pimp, you're a pimp. Sorry, there's no other word for it. Let me call you a prostitute and make you feel better. Plus, it doesn't go as well. Vaccine prostitutes and pimps. Uh, it's got to be vaccine whores and pimps. <laughs> Flows. So two weeks ago, at Rodney R. Brown's, I said, you know what? I didn't even like the River Church. I knew they were saved. I knew they preached the Bible, but they were too much for me. Too much. Couldn't handle it. So I made a conscious decision because I heard of Rodney Howard Brown. You know what? You know how I made that decision? I'm not preaching any of this message. What a mess. What a, what a mess. You guys are always the mess. This, this service is always the mess. It is. But I told him, I said, you, you know how I, found, how I decided not to like Rodney Howard Brown? It was from other Christians telling me not to. I never watched the message. I only watched other Christians react to the messages. I never watched it myself. You go back now and you watch them at Carpenter's Home Church. Man, was I missing out. What a stupid decision to boycott a man for 30 years over nothing. I'm not saying he's perfect. I'm not saying Jonathan's perfect. I'm just saying what a stupid decision it was. I'm compl- I'm a, if you've noticed, I'm very different from both of them. I'm not looking to be like Jonathan. I'm not looking to be like Rodney. I am who I am. 
They're both way nicer than I am. Jonathan closer to me. You got to watch him. Jonathan will say things I won't say. Rodney will say things I won't say. I'll say things they won't say. You never know what'll happen. But how stupid was that? But I wouldn't go anywhere near the river church because they laughed. And there's things going on. Like they're, they have a measure of loudness in the service that I, didn't, I found uncomfortable. Now I just sit there and it's like totally normal for me. It's second nature. I just sit there. And most of the time I'm in on it. But I told him, I said, you know what? I just made a conscious decision to be miserable instead in the name of Jesus. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I reject that. You know what? I'm going to be miserable in Jesus' name is running me out of ministry. But now the joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm happy in the presence of God. It's running me out. I'll finish with this. Five minutes to go. We're done. Everybody good? I'll get you out of here in a hurry at the end. When we switch to the new building, you guys are running on. We'll be five minutes from now. We'll be at two hours. That'll be about the length of the service in the new building. So you'll be used to it. Nine o'clock, I'll have to adjust to another 20 or 30 minutes on top of where they're at right now. As we'll go two, two and a half hours somewhere in there. That's nothing in comparison to Faith Assembly of God in Orlando, where I grew up in the faith. Two hours was the end of where the choir stopped. The choir had just stopped. They did the offering, they did the choir, and now the message starts at the two-hour mark. <laughs> people forget about what church was really like back in the day. You get people, I'm squirming in my seat. Hey, Rodney Howard Brown, you're there from four to six hours. Seriously. I've been in church for a conference there for 12 hours. In one day. True. It goes by like the wind. Sometimes because... My body is not meant for church seats because all that weight crushing down, eventually my gluteus maximus gets a little sore. But if I can move around, I'm good for four to six hours. But in closing, let's shift over to a backup for a couple minutes in these last four minutes. Make sure, worship team, you guys are hovering so we can close out quick at the end because I promised everybody we would. Habakkuk 2.1. The just, get this now. The just shall live by faith. Old covenant. The just shall live by faith because there was never meant to be a law. It's supposed to be Abraham. It's supposed to be that way. It's like there's never supposed to be a king. The just shall live by faith. I will stand. I don't mean that there wasn't supposed to be a law because the law sets up the covenant of faith. But you know the perfect evolutionary covenant is the new covenant. So there was supposed to be a law. I will stand my watch, Habakkuk 2.1. I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what, and what I will answer when I'm corrected. I will stand and watch to see what he, capitalized, God Almighty, will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Let's just bring up a couple. Do you talk too much? I wrote a list. Are you pushy? Well, there's, you, you never know until you ask. That's not in the Bible. There are no stupid questions. Yes, there is. That's not in the Bible. There's all, you've ever been to a bunch of police conferences or conferences like I've been to? There are plenty of stupid questions. 
You're welcome. <laughs> stubborn. How many of you believe stubbornness is an attribute? Uh, stubbornness is equated in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 23, to iniquity. It's like rebellion is witchcraft. Stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Whoops! I'm stubborn, man. You got to tell me something more than once. All right, witch. Not letting doors open. Just be still and know that he's God. Try it in your life. Now, you need to understand something. But those that wait on the Lord, Isaiah 40, 31, which is the same as being still. What does that mean? Wait is actually equated to wait staff. Serve the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Just wait. Just serve him. I can't remember whether I said this in the first service or not. But here's the thing. When I walk around, I go walking. Yeah, I said this in the first service. I can't remember whether it's the beginning of this service or I said it in the first service. They blend, blend together. When I walk around the neighborhood with my dog, because he has to be walked minimum two hours a day, seriously, or he'll bounce off the walls and rule your house. I have my pants stuffed with cards, with index cards. They're in, and I pull them out. I'm just for an hour and a half at a time memorizing Bible verses as I'm walking. That's waiting on the Lord. Not, I just am being still. Mm -hmm. Just being still. That's not being still. Being still is waiting on the Lord. Like wait staff. What can I do for you today? What will you have, Holy Spirit? Well, you know what I would have from you today? I want you to pray for an hour. I would like you to study the word for three hours. What are you going to do? Well, here, Habakkuk says, and I, and what I will answer and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I'm corrected. Or will you mark it as a time where you said, you know what? God told me to fast. And I said, nah, there's that step. You didn't take it. And why? And what are you really doing? Backwards. Don't let that happen to you. I lived that way and wasted three decades of my life. Don't do it. Don't do it. I say this because I want to get this out to everybody. Don't let the building steal your spirituality. Right? When I'm, I'm walking right now, and normally I don't do Bible verses while I'm walking. I'm doing it now because I will not let the building steal my Bible study. Because the building is brick and mortar. It means nothing in comparison to the power and the presence of the Holy Ghost. I will not let it happen. Don't let you, don't let, don't you let it happen. Don't let it happen. I'll finish with this. Worship team, make your way. Aaron, just don't play right away. That way you trust me, even though I'm already one minute over. I talked about this last week. Let me give you this list. This will be a fun way to close. If you're pouty like I am, or have been, not anymore, what's the positive side of pouty? It means you're passionate. You don't pout if you don't care. People who pout care. But you've shifted into carnality. I got a list. 
If you're angry, what's the positive side? That means you're full of zeal. Because you wouldn't be angry. There you are. That's Dave, wasn't it? <laughs> I knew it. There's only one band member that makes a peep when they come up here. <laughs> Slam, bam, crunch. What? Oh yeah, we're getting a rubberized floor. We'll never hear Dave again. <laughs> I know, I love you, buddy. David is a good friend of mine, just so you know. He's all right. I don't think you should be so mean to Dave. Don't worry, Dave and I are good. If you're not teachable, what are you? Positive side, you're committed. But don't shift into being non-teachable. I made all this up. If you're an enabler, what are you? You're loving and compassionate, but you've shifted into the carnal. And you're destroying people by enabling them. Let me finish with this. 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love. So was the church loving by caving to fear? They all said they were. But it says here, 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. If you are a warrior, understand that you are a compromised lover or unable to love at all. Get this now. If you and your wife have all these weird little restrictions because you're terrified that one will cheat on the other, you don't love each other. Whoops. We have these things, these accountability measures, you know. That way I know where she's at. She knows where I'm at. There's no way you don't even love each other. Because you are full of fear. No, 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 just in that one area. No, 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 that's not what the Bible says. There is no fear in love. Zero. Will you be corrected? Or are you going to be a warrior who claims to be a lover? Can't be. You can't be. It's like vinegar and water. They will just separate from one another. There is no fear in love. So when you've seen the world claim through fear to be loving, understand that it compromises the big boy, the word of God, which is Jesus. Understand? I put that out at the last minute so that in these last days, in these beginnings of sorrows, all the false prophets claiming to be loving by caving to fear, understand there is no fear in love. Even if your fear is of a pandemic of a 99.9% survival virus. Always remember that. Stand with me, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. We know that when there are this many people in person or watching online, that there is a chance that some have not started a relationship with Christ. If that's you and you would like a relationship with Jesus that washes away the stain of sin, you will need to start by repenting of your sin, confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and asking him to be the Lord over your life. That means giving up control. If you have never prayed this or you have fallen away and want to return to the kingdom of life, repeat this prayer after me and mean it. Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my life and be my Lord and be my savior. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins and I now turn from them and I give you my life from this day on in Jesus' mighty name, amen. If you said that prayer, you are saved.
Thank you for listening to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope that you have been encouraged and empowered. If you would like to partner with us, please visit foundationchurchfl.com and click on Give.